and welcome to this episode of the Sports Info Solutions Baseball Podcast. We like to say here that the goal of our show is to be cool, interesting, and fun. That jibes well with our guests today. ESPN Sunday Night Radio broadcasters John Shambi and Chris Singleton, who also broadcasts Wednesday Night Baseball and College Basketball on ESPN and has handled KBO broadcasts as well. He's a former broadcaster for the Braves and Marlins, and he's doing great work raising money for ALS research. Chris Singleton spent six seasons in the majors as an outfielder for four teams. He hit 300 once, stole 20 bases three times, played in the postseason twice. He's been in broadcasting since 2006, and he's a voter in our Fielding Bible Awards. Thanks for joining us. How are you guys doing? Good. Good to be with you, Mark. It's been a long time we've been friends and working together. Yeah, it's good to see you guys. I'm, uh, I'm excited to get the season going. All right, so we start on uh, Thursday night, and it's very easy for us to sit here and say that the Yankees, Dodgers, and Astros are going to be good. Can you give me a team that you would pick as a surprise team with a legitimate chance to go to the World Series? And when I say surprise, I'm thinking maybe a team that didn't make the playoffs last year or something of that sort. Chris, start us out. I could say the Mets. I mean, about last year, that hot stretch the Mets had and you know, in some ways they were overachieving, um, but they did have some talent um, underneath there. And obviously, uh, you know, Alonzo, McNeil were big parts of that. Uh, they did not have Yoannis Cespedes, uh, who they will have this year. They obviously have some pretty stout pitching. Uh, so, you know, this is a team that I think, uh, you know, they, they could do something with the Nationals, if you want to call hangover after winning a World Series, to what degree that'll be there this year. This year is going to be a little awkward for everybody. Um, the Braves, one thing I'm looking at is, you know, the, the loss of that big bat of Josh Donaldson, you know, in the lineup. So, you know, there's a chance, I think, in an abbreviated season and even in a, a lengthy season that uh, the Mets could be positioned to uh, to be a surprise, quote unquote, surprise team, if you will, and get there. Boogie got one. So my sneak attack team, <clears throat> I'm going to amend kind of the uh, the parameters, but I, I don't know about winning the World Series because I don't think they'll win the division, but I think... For as much as everybody talks about the Reds, the White Sox, and the Padres, those are the three sneak attack teams for everybody. There's one that does not get talked about enough, and that is the Diamondbacks. The Diamondbacks have a good team. They were good last year. Mike Hazen does a really good job with the Arizona Diamondbacks. They won 85 games. I think the Arizona Diamondbacks have a very good chance to make the playoffs. I don't think that they have a very good chance to win the division, but I, I don't think people talk about them very much, and I think that they're going to really be in the mix. I read something somewhere where people were saying that this could be a particularly big year for someone like Robbie Ray. Yeah, well, one of the things with Robbie Ray, I don't know what you saw, but he, I mean, just way adjusted his arm swing, and he's he's done a, a bit of what Lucas Giolito did in terms of really shortening the, the way his arm is moving back. So instead of that, that long drop-down, it's a little more catcher-ish and shortened it. And obviously, he's got to throw more strikes, but he's got that great slider. Chris, you were talking about the Mets. They're actually my pick as the team that has the widest potential swing, meaning I yeah. could see them just as easily go 36 and 24 as go 24 and 36 if a number of things went wrong. Is there another team out there that you feel has this wide kind of swing where they could be great or they could be problematic? Come on, Simon. Just say wide variance. You know you want to say wide variance. Just say wide variance. <laughs> That's actually what's written on my sheet, but I figured let me, let me do it another way. 
in coming into this and thinking about some of these topics, you know, that was the team that first jumped out to me was the New York Mets because of the fact that, you know, they have the ability to really, to really roll. And I think um, they'd be a dangerous team, but there's also that level of dysfunction in New York. And, you know, it's like, you just sometimes don't know exactly, you know, what you're going to get with that organization. But outside of them, I mean, I guess, you know, thinking across the league, I mean, you could throw – I think there's several teams you could kind of throw into it because, you know, 60 games is really – that's not even half a season, and it's, it's a, it's a crapshoot uh, in some ways, depending on health, depending on who comes out of the gate, you know, fast and who can sustain it. Uh, you could throw – I mean, you could throw the Cubs in there. Um, you could throw out on the West. I mean, you could throw perhaps the Astros with everything they're coming off of, um, the loss of Garrett Cole. I mean, it, that's, that's really a, a – a wild one, I guess, pardon the pun, um, to try to throw somebody into that hat. Boog, all right, put your, uh, you got your sabermetric uh, buzzword out there. Uh, give me your variance team. Um, I think the White Sox, to be honest with you, because I know a lot of people like that team a lot, but I still look at that group. I think eventually they're going to get there because there's a lot of talent. But like when I'm prepping for a game, especially at the beginning of the season, I'm going to look at, okay, where'd you finish in runs per game? Where'd you finish in home run rate? Where'd you finish in OBP? Where'd you finish in slug? And for the White Sox, those numbers are 13, 13, 11, 13. Most teams can't make the jump from 13 to 5 in that stretch. They're pretty hacktastic, that team. Again, lots of talent. But I do think that there, there could be some variance, and it could, it could take another year with an offensive team that has – a super low walk rate, lowest in the majors last year. I think it'll improve, but low walk, low contact. I think Giolito's still going to be good. I just I think that you know they could put it together and in that sixty game stretch be a threat in the Central to the Twins. I could also see them you know not making the playoffs. One of the things for me with all of that talent and they're coming, we'd like to say, but also I think sort of Debug's point about you know where do they rank in certain statistical categories, but also I had the element knowing how to win. Do you like knowing how to win ball games and sort of position yourself and finish those games out. And I think that's one thing that can be overlooked sometimes when you have sort of a, a, a younger talented team that's developing and coming, you know, that, that element of not you know, giving away games and knowing how to win um, closer ball games on a more consistent basis. And they certainly added guys this offseason that, that should help them in that regard, right? I would think so. You know, just this, I mean, this guy's going to help prevent runs, but, you know, just looking at Dallas Keuchel and, you know, I'm, I'm very excited to see him in the south side pinstripes. My other, so my other team with this, and just to get your take on it, uh, was uh, the team that we just had a guest on. We had Jose Moda come on uh, talking about the Angels. And it struck me that the Angels were a team that could go 34 and 26, but just as easily could go 23 and 37, uh, given the roster that they have, given the veterans that they have, given um, Adele, if they were to, to use him. Uh, what was your take on the Angels coming into this season? Chris? Um, I take the, uh, I think it was, what'd you say, 24 and 36? Or 34 and 26. Yeah, take the 24 and 36 with the Angels. I just, you know, I, I like the addition of Anthony Rendon. I know he's been slowed a little bit um, in summer camp if you will, the talent, talented team. But to me, pitching wise, there's still, there's still a, uh, 
depleted in that area. And if we were talking about what, you know, my man Boog had 100% told all of us, Garrett Cole signing with the Angels. If they had Garrett Cole in the starting rotation, I might be leaning the other way. But no, just all kidding aside, I just don't think that they, they've got the, the pitching strength to be able to have that kind of uh, winning margin. It's a good it's a good point as far as if they had Garrett Cole, it would change my opinion entirely. But you know, right now it's what Andrew Heaney's their opening day starter, I think. And he's he's fine. But I, I just I think they're just they're gonna be a little short in that department. So I you know, I don't look I think that the, the A's are gonna be really good again. So I it's uh I don't I don't know that the Angels are gonna be good enough, but again, short sample, small sample, it's it's hard to say. With that, we segue into something else uh, that could happen this season. Is there a team that you think would be worth watching because they might do some weird things in games this year and kind of conduct a baseball experiment? Since it's a 60-game season, they might not figure to be very good. Uh, You just said the Angels were a team where you were looking more at 24 than than 34 win-wise. Like I keep thinking the Giants on this. Uh, or the Mariners on this, is there a team that you think might conduct a baseball experiment this season? Uh, Boog, start us with that. You know, not that I'm, that I'm aware of. I mean, you know, in terms of the, the really edgy, you know, type teams like the, the Rays, um, I don't know that anybody's going to do anything crazy that I've, that I've heard of. So I don't have a good answer on that one in terms of a team that's going to do something just completely out of left field. It's hard because I think even though it's a it's a 60 game season, I think you're going to play how you play and talent's talent. I, I do think that bullpen is the thing, right? I mean, that's what extra pitchers and you know, we've seen the trend where starters don't get very deep into games. Well, we're going to see that continue this season. I'd say for me, what's interesting, right, this weekend, the Yankees bringing in, you know, five infielders for, with Zach Britton, you know, on the bump. And that, that's kind of, uh, I don't know about Boog, but for me, I kind of like it, man, because the New York Yankees, I, I know from an analytics standpoint, you know, they say they've got, you know, the best, they've got the, the most money, but that progression, if you will, or, or being more progressive with things, but just, you know, the Yankees, five infielders, man, that's something that I think if we went back, what? You know, five, 10 years, 12 years, I mean, you, there's no way. They're not the New York Yankees. So just to see that kind of move, I think uh, perhaps speaks to something larger. They were going to see teams being creative. This team, not a playoff team, but I think in Pittsburgh with Derek Shelton, you know, having been, you know, with Joe Madden and, you know, Rocco Baldelli, he's been in, in, in uh, Cleveland, I believe, as well. I think Derek – and the type of guy he is in personality, I think he's going to be open and willing to do some things that we never saw Clint Hurdle do in Pittsburgh, especially working with the roster that he's got. I want to just throw in an anecdote. I remember when Derek Jeter got his 3,000th hit. That day he got, what was it, four or five hits in the game, including the game winner in the eighth inning. And after the game, Joe Madden actually lamented that he didn't try a five-man infield on Jeter in the eighth inning, and I remember thinking, wow, that's really bold thinking at the time that he would even consider something like that, and then we haven't seen anything like that uh, since, and right. maybe this year is, is the year we see it. Yeah, I mean, David Price, didn't David Price serve up the home run to Derek Jeter yep. though in that first 3,000? Yep. Yeah, maybe all the different pitch first and foremost. 
that's snarky bad guy snarky singing that'll be more to come of that that's right all right, we will get into you guys getting ready for the season for the season to broadcast in a second. And we've we've kept the purposely kept the topics here baseball wise. There's so much uh, out there in terms of all the other things related to this season. I wanted to do a show that was specific baseball. Uh, and I guess uh, Chris, first of all, what's your what's your take on some of the new rules and the, the runner on second and extra innings and and the reliever uh, usage uh, rule? I'm more for the. Uh runner on second than I'm not, if you will. Um, I think it creates a pretty predictable scenario where, hey, you know, guys coming up, we're going to get that runner over, um, and we're going to try to get him in. So uh, the element of, of having, you know, Boog's favorite thing, the bunt, I think comes back into play in terms of teams really being able to uh, to get that runner up, you know, and have a, have a safety net uh, if it's not a good situation to hit to the right side of the infield based off the pitcher, based off the matchup, um, that you can get that bunt down. I, I, I like it. I think it's uh, over the course of a long season. I mean, w- the extra inning games are fun and they're great when it gets crazy, right? But there's also this element of it's it just can train a team and a roster. And, and when we're talking about shortened season, I think it's going to be helpful as well because guys aren't going to be quite uh, have quite the endurance in some ways. I think once we can get some traction and get through this sort of COVID and perhaps teams are mostly healthy, um, it, it picks up at the latter half of the season. But I think it'll be a good thing. And then the other three batter minimum, um, for me, I think is going to be very, very fun to watch. Very interesting to see because now um, there's an element of, you know, the strategy and, and seeing managers think. So although we're looking at perhaps, you know, at some point, um, you know, permanently down the road, no DH and sort of what that takes away. I mean, I'm sorry, DH, no pitchers hitting in the National League and kind of what that takes away from an entertainment standpoint. I think on the flip side, you know, this is going to be an added element of strategy that, you know, we'll see on in both leagues. Boog, your thoughts? You like them? You like, you, you know? For the 60 games, I'm fine with the runner at second thing. I don't, I think that you're going to see – I think you'll, you're not going to see the bunt in the top of the inning. I think that that what teams are, are studying and going to figure out is if you play for one in the top of the inning, you could get yourself into some trouble. So I think you've got to just play for the big inning and give yourself the best chance to score the most runs. I think where you'll see it is if the team doesn't score in the top half, then I think you'll see the bunt in the bottom half. But I don't think you're going to see it quite as much as some people think. I would prefer when we go back to a longer schedule, I've said this, ties after 12, doing the KBO games. Last year, they played 144 games. There were seven ties. I think there's been one tie this year through 60-some-odd games. It'll be fine. No more 87-inning games. <laughs> uh, the DH, I, I grew up an Action League fan, but I'm, I'm ready for it. And I don't think there's anything it does strategy-wise because – the pitchers go five and they get to hit twice anyway. So you're pinch hitting for them. It's not like, you know, guys are getting a chance to hit as pitchers three or four times, you know, accepting the the studs. But for the most part, it's it's two plate appearances and dive, maybe one and dive. So what are we talking about? I like the double switch, though, <laughs> that it kind of kind of brings into play, you know? Stop it. Just stop think- it. And you I don't think really it, like the double switch. You're just tweaking me. No, no, I do. And I think it also, from a from a player standpoint, I think there's there are guys that, man, that really helps them get into the game. They're bench players that, you know, they they may not see the field for, you know, a considerable amount of time. And having that double switch 
you know, opportunity and play, I think helps keep guys like keep your feet wet. I mean, just the ball, the ball's never in play these days and eliminating the pitcher at least will improve the ball being in play a tiny bit more. So that's, that's the other thing as far as I don't think the three batter minimum does anything uh, to affect the game in any way, shape or form. Because now bullpens are built. There's so much less of that creeping Tony LaRusa left, right, left, right teams. They bring a guy out and he's responsible to get through an inning. I, I, I just I don't think it, it does anything. I think that the league missed on that rule. Two more baseball-related questions. We're in defense-based company. Chris knows that, certainly, from his voting for the Fielding Bible Awards. Boog knows that as well. Uh, who's the best defensive team in MLB? Chris? From, from a statistical standpoint, I'm sure, you know, there's something that's going to be off for me. But I, I like, and I'm really sort of encouraged the turn that the St. Louis Cardinals have taken over the last – uh, year specifically, but I think, you know, working over the last couple of years and moving that way and personnel changes and individuals that they have in terms of that staff, you know, Boog knows I'm a big Willie McGee fan and, you know, just he, he's the type of guy, along with Mike Schilt, you know, having such a long minor league run and, and paying attention to fundamentals and and this team putting together um, along with, you know, great guy up the middle and Colton Wong, but improved defense by um, Paul DeYoung and and what Tommy Edmond, you know, did last year, moving all around. I'm a Harrison Bader fan in center field. So, you know, this is a team that I like uh, defensively. I, I can't argue across the board that, you know, in every way that, yeah, this is the best team. But I would say when I think about teams that I look forward to watching play, the Cardinals are a team, the Cleveland Indians are a team. Part of the reason the Arizona Diamondbacks have been able to stay competitive is because they defend so well. They've been Top two, I think, in the bigs in DRS each of the last two years. I think they're in consideration. I think if I were to lean in in one direction, though, the team I'd probably go to, to would be the Dodgers because of the defense and the versatility. And now they've added a Mookie Betts, and you have guys that you can plug and play all over the place. You know, Bellinger doesn't just give you plus center field defense. He gives you plus first base defense. Muncie plays actually at a slightly above average at a couple of positions. So uh, I think it's the Dodgers. So same thing we did with players that we did with teams. It's very easy to say Trout and Bellinger or Yelich or whoever is an MVP uh, candidate for this season. But in a 60-game season, certainly there are some unusual things that can happen. Is there a player out there that you like as an unusual MVP candidate, someone that people might not be thinking of? Chris? Sometimes it's hard I, because this person, if, when I say this person's name, it's not going to be like not thinking of, but because he has been AWOL for so long. But Yoenis Cespedes, again, you know, coming back to a guy who could absolutely light the world on fire for, I mean, he could do it for a season, but we've seen him have some hot stretches. And Boog and I remember a couple years ago, he's wearing the, the yellow green sleeve. He's hitting everything hard everywhere. Like it was a show that he was putting on. Um, I think also the fact that his contract situation has changed. He's got to really step it back up to a level of commitment, you know, on and off the field and performance. He's a guy that I think very well could be an MVP this year. I don't have anybody for you. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I, if, if, I mean, if I can stay in my Diamondbacks theme, then I'd go, I guess, Cattell Marte. But, I mean, most everybody knows that 
you know, he had a kind of under the radar brilliant season last year, but I guess yeah. he'd be he'd be someone. But I don't have anything. I think it's just you know it's going to be interesting to see like what Singy. What do you think the home run leader is going to have of the majors this year? Play sixty games. How many home runs will the home run leader have this year? Not who is it, but how many? I'm going to say like twenty four to twenty eight. Ooh, I like that. That's a good window. Yeah. How about you? I, I think in that range. Because certainly someone like Alonzo or Bellinger or Yelich or Goldschmidt or yeah. whoever is certainly capable of putting up uh, those kind of numbers in a small sample. It's going to – I think the, the grand theme of, of this is, is all going to be – it's just going to be weird. Um, all right, so last question here. I wanted to talk Sunday Night Baseball because uh, you guys are such a great listen uh, and have been for a number of years now. Um, when I listen to your broadcasts, I feel like I'm getting an episode of Baseball Tonight uh, where you cover every story. There's a balance between lighter stuff and serious stuff. Sometimes you dip into the stat usage. There's self-deprecation. There's needling, as we've heard on this podcast. But you never do it at the expense of the play. The play always comes first, and it's weaved in seamlessly. Uh, what's the philosophy of the broadcast overall, and uh, what are you going to try to provide the fans this year? The philosophy. I guess if if I were to say it out loud, my philosophy is I want – every broadcast to be smart, fun, interesting. Those are the things. But I, as far as Chris and I are starting our 10th season, I get to go to work with my good friend and someone that I genuinely enjoy being around. And there's just something about being in that setting. It's kind of like we're dancing, to be perfectly honest with you. That's what the, you know, the rhythm of a radio broadcast. And it's we pack this suitcase. We're we're able to take a, a suitcase that holds, you know, twenty pounds, and very neatly and and uh, ably able to put in, you know, thirty pounds of stuff because we just know each other's cadence, and and it's a huge credit to Chris, and he's down to talk about anything and have fun, and I just look forward to it. It's nice when you turn into your right and you're just really happy that your your buddy's sitting there and, and we just kind of go at it like two friends talking baseball and he's down to make fun of me and you know I like talking stats and that type of thing but it's uh it's it's a cool feeling to to do it it's it's really uh it's really great I'm 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 especially grateful that I get to do it uh with somebody like Chris yeah amen and uh you know I echo the those sentiments I mean you couldn't really you know, broadcasting, you know, there are teams and, you know, great. It's first and foremost, it's great that we get to broadcast for a network and for ESPN and that we have, you know, the freedom, if you will, to um, really present the information and the topics from a very sort of neutral way. And that's, that's wonderful. Um, it's also having worked for a team, Boog's worked for a team, and just knowing the difference of, there are some broadcast teams that, man, they dread walking into the booth because there's just so much tension in there. And, you know, they come on and they make a good show on the air, but they don't enjoy it. So we're very blessed to, uh, to enjoy each other, to be friends, you know, whether there's baseball or not. You know, Boog and I, don't, we don't go through an offseason and then we pick up in spring training. I mean, we, we're, we talk on the regular, as the kids say, and uh, we stay in touch. But I also think that one thing that's, that's great is that I think – in our own ways, Boog and I, we want to equip the listeners to be better 
baseball people. We want to entertain them to bring them the game, first and foremost, the game, but we also want to give them good information. My, I always took this um, kind of approach is that when I was you know, doing baseball tonight or whatever, I want to present information so that someone listening can go to work the next day, be standing around the water cooler, they still do that, and be able to regurgitate something I said without giving me credit, but, you know, put it out there and then sound like a genius, um, you know, with their friends or their coworkers. So I think that takes a little bit extra than just sort of, you know, general statements. And you could get through a baseball broadcast and not really give any substance other than just the game. But I think both of us, we're interested in the data and the information and the stories, but we also want to, in a good, entertaining and in context of the game, present that information to the fans and listeners so that, you know, they're better off for it. Smart, interesting, fun, and better baseball people. That's very much uh, in line with our podcast as well. Guys, thank you for uh, joining us today. Uh, Look forward to listening to you and look forward to watching you on TV uh, this season as well. Thanks, guys. For the latest in defensive stats and information, check out fieldingbible.com. This website features updated player run save totals and insight into their performance at a given position. The site also features an explanation of our new parts statistical evaluation system and a history of winners for the annual Fielding Bible Awards. Check out fieldingbible.com and you'll become a smarter baseball fan. And this wraps up this episode of the SIS Baseball Podcast. For Chris and John and our producer, Justin Stein, We'll be going to once a week shows starting next week. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you for tuning in to the SIS Baseball Podcast. If you like the show, please rate and review us on iTunes. If you have any questions, email the show at mark at sportsinfosolutions.com or tweet us at sportsinfo underscore SIS. 